Okay, previously on Zero Brightness, I repeatedly claimed that my Hitman, the game that paralleled James's obsession with Hitman, the game that I always tell people to play and nobody does because like the best game ever was Prey. And it kind mm-hmm. of is Prey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I realized before we did this episode that it's actually a different game that came out in 2017. It's The Evil Within 2. Okay. And now we're finally talking about it. This is the one. This is the best game. <laughs> like, for me, the way that you feel about Hitman, where you're like, it's the best of the generation, it's a masterpiece, why aren't more people playing it? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about this game, uh, Evil Within 2. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, mean, I lied. <laughs> and now I'm here to make it right. I'm with you. It's not a perfect game. But what they do right is so good. Yeah. So good. It's really unique. And I think that if you learned to love the first game, then the second game is just like mind blowing. Yeah. It, 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 it really is an enhancement of the original, mm-hmm. but in so many ways, it's so different too. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. But before we get into all that, as always, this episode of Zero Brightness is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show directly and get extra episodes every single week. Also, extra other stuff. I wrote an essay the other day. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to keep... That's nice. Yeah. Thanks. I feel like I should have read it on fucking Polygon or something. <laughs> yeah, and I can I can crank those out whenever I feel like it. I'm probably going to do one on Death Stranding. Watch me. But uh, nice. yeah, I'm going to keep trying to do weird offbeat stuff like that, as well as Zero Brightness Plus, which we do every week without fail. It's an extra bonus episode of the show. So if you're not a patron, you're missing half of the show. So, so it's that EA DLC. Yeah, exactly. And we so, fell for it, man. We did it. We sold out and we didn't even notice. Sign up for Origin. Get the free puzzle <laughs> game. Uh, mm-hmm. And, of course, you can go to ZeroBrightness.com to find links to everything else we do. We sell music. We sell merch. We have a Discord. You can talk to us about stuff. Uh, and we're a game club. So we tell you what we're going to play next at the end of every episode. Mm-hmm. Those are the announcements for today. Uh, Pizza Pizza Pockets pockets for for lunch and and detention detention has been rescheduled for tomorrow. Nice. Okay, so Evil Within 2. Fucking rocks. Psycho Psycho Break 2. In in the Japanese. In the original Japanese. Uh, I just love that title. Yeah, Psycho Break is a pretty sick title. Evil Within, not a great title. No, I'm like, what is what is this like? Uh, it sounds like one of those like spooky, horny novels you find at Walmart. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The other thing too is that the uh, acronym for it is two, like two, 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 which makes it sound really silly. Yeah, Psycho Break, at least you know, peanut butter. Exactly. Gotta love peanut butter. Speaking of peanut butter, <laughs> I feel like the Evil Within Two is like the everything bagel of survival horror. Yeah. Okay. It does so much. No, totally. And I think that the elevator pitch for Evil Within 2 ultimately is like, hey, remember Evil Within? 
what if everything worked and was better? <laughs> wow. Well, okay. One thing is not better, but it's also like arguably worse, which is the story. Like the story in Evil Within 1 was like nonsense. Mm-hmm. But the story in Evil Within 2 is like capital in italics nonsense. Well, I I actually think they're pretty much exactly the same. I okay. mean, I think the Evil Within 2 has one major failing in the plot, which is that it doesn't pick up the cliffhanger ending of the first game. It just totally mm. breezes past it. Uh, and that's like sort of absurd. But once you get past that, it's just the same as the first one. Like, it's not even worth paying attention to it. There's so much other good stuff in the game that it's like, whatever. It's like, okay. He thought his daughter died. His daughter's not dead. So like half of his lines in the game are like, I need to find my daughter. Yeah. It's Silent Hill. <laughs> it's like, okay, dude. Okay. Yeah, but it's like, I don't know. The guy from Silent Hill didn't talk this much. He, I don't know. He this is like did. nitpicking though, because yeah. the, the gameplay in this game slays. I just feel like I would be remiss not mentioning like how absolutely absurd the storyline is. Well, no, no, you know, it's it's a good thing to bring up because the whole premise of this game is actually insane. Okay. <laughs> in in a met in a meta level, it's nuts. Okay, so let's talk about this game. Um this game was released in October 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh now something interesting happened uh in terms of the critical response to this game when it came out because the first game is all over the map right like you've got people saying it sucks you've got people saying it's the greatest game of all time you can go listen to our episode on the first one if you haven't heard it yet it's very good it's a very fun episode um and you know we kind of talk about how polarizing of a game it is because if you take the time to get into it you sort of don't have a choice but to become obsessed with it but it's also like so weird and flawed that it's it's hard to argue that it's like a masterpiece you know even though like yeah i love it and i said in that episode the main reason i love it is because a stockholm syndrome and <laughs> b that i played this game and this game taught me how to play the first game i can like, see that in some yeah. ways yeah but so when this game came out the critical response from professional critics um or semi-professional critics i guess like people on youtube and all that kind of shit the response was wow this is like really good this is like better than the first game yes and then the response from fans was largely this sucks why did you change stuff from the first game Mm, well okay so on the critical response like Everybody says, like, wow, this is, like, good. This is better than the first game. But then they all rated it, like, a 75 and an 80. Yeah. Like, all, like, total middle of the road. Like, it feels like nobody, like, dug into this game and, like, understood why the gameplay was so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, nobody gave this game, like, the deep dive it deserved, I, I feel like, in the, you know, review sphere. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why it's my hitman. Because, like, mm. ever since I played this game, and I mean, the thing is that I saw the footage of this game and I had my expectations of it. And I was like, wow, that looks amazing. 
I want to play the first game. It took me forever to play the first game and finish the first game. So like when I finally got around to playing this game, my mind was just totally blown. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Mm. This game rocks. And then like, I just felt like that enthusiasm was not matched by the world around me. But this really is like my favorite. (laughs) This is my favorite game of this generation. And I think, I, I think that it has so much to offer people who are fans of so many different kinds of games, yeah. but especially horror yeah. games. Um, but yeah, so like when this game came out, I felt like the response was muted because of the, the if you averaged everything out, right? Like there were like fans saying it wasn't as good. There were critics saying it was better, but then still giving it like mediocre scores. And this uh, ultimately the series was canceled uh basically there's there are no plans for another game this was kind of the end of the series and it was just a really sad ending to what i think could have been a really cool series well uh at least it goes out on a high note yeah um well the main difference in this game is that a big chunk of it is a lot more open world than anything in the first game right And I think this is, like, really the first game that does, like, the open world, open area, survival horror stuff. Kind of like The Last of Us 2, when you get to Seattle and you can roam around. But this game keeps the tension high the whole time. Yes. Because every time you go into a new area, a new house, a new garage... Some freaky shit's going to happen that's going to keep you on edge. Yeah. Because when you start this game, you are sorely underleveled, underpowered. Mm-hmm. Resources are super scarce. Um, I feel like the easy mode in this game is akin to the normal mode or hard mode in other similar games. Like Resident Evil 2, 3 Remake, and Last of Us 2. Really? Yes, this game is difficult. And Shinji Mikami himself recommends playing this game on casual mode. Huh. See, because I... So we talked about the difficulty in the first game uh, in that episode. We talked about the difficulty a lot because it is wrong in that game. The difficulty is (laughs) wrong. Like, normal mode is horrendously brutal. Maybe it's because I can actually play that game like and maybe because I got good at that game, but I actually felt that the difficulty was much better in this game than in the first one. Like, I've only ever played this game on normal mode and really and not really had too much of a problem. I mean, you have the same problems that are baked into the game design. Like, you're always low on ammo, you're always low on items, like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Even New Game Plus, you're like always low on ammo, you know, and like uh, that kind of shit. So I. I- it felt really good for me to play New Game Plus because, like, I had finally maxed out a bunch of my attributes. And it it was so cathartic going through, like, the first couple areas again. Like, actually having ammo and having skill points. Yeah, totally. Like, I felt like I was the fucking Grim Reaper. Oh, totally. But I actually found, and this is kind of a side note, we'll get back on topic, but I found that on my new game plus playthrough, it was like that for the first like third. 
And then mm. I just got so cavalier that I would just be like firing off as many rounds as I wanted to. And then I got past that point in the game and I was like, shit, I have no ammo ever. <laughs> Cause I'm just like, just <laughs> doing what I want and being Rambo. And then I had to go back to being like strategic. So going back to this item scarcity thing, mm-hmm. this game makes you feel desperate for bullets at all times. Yeah. Like I never had more than two clips worth of bullets. Yeah. Um, it's painful at times. And sometimes some some parts I felt like I was like really fucked and I would actually load my game just to redo a fight so that I didn't miss any shots. Like that's right. how desperate it makes you feel for ammo. Oh, totally. But okay, so that you know, we're kind of on the topic of things that are different in Evil Within mm. 2 from Evil Within 1. Or at least let's just talk about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's such a huge thing in this game. It's such a huge part of what makes this game fantastic, in my opinion. Um, and so that's a great place to start. Like, a lot of the basic ideas in this game and the basic things that you deal with are the same as the first game, but they're just handled so much better. So, for example, like you said, you never have ammo. You never do. That's in the game design (laughs) is that like you're always fighting to conserve ammo and to conserve items because it's like their take on classic survival horror where you had to do Mm -hmm. that. Right. Um, Even though this game is not directed by Shinji Mikami, which is an important point. um, And that's Mm -hmm. part of his ethos. He says that he wants to step aside to let other people have opportunities, um, which resulted in a fantastic game. So kudos to him. But like, in this game, even though you, you were still dealing with that, the stealth works so much better. Yeah, and you really. generally have so many more options for dealing with enemies in an indirect way or not confronting enemies that it's not like in the Evil Within where you don't have bullets, but also you're going to end up killing everything because the stealth just is so shitty, you know? So also on this stealth thing, th- one of the first thing I noticed is that this game doesn't have Hitman or Witcher vision. No. So you can't, like, hold R2 and scan around and see where the bad guys are. You, like, actually have to, like, look and sometimes get out of cover to see where the bad guys are. Yes. And The Last of Us has Hitman and Witcher vision, so you never have that tension of not knowing where bad guys are. Um, that, that really makes these fights tense, because you want to... I mean, if you go into a room with three or four zombies in this game, you're just fucked. Like, you can't do it. Uh, Or you might, like, blow all your shotgun shells. Yeah. You really have to take out one at a time to survive, and you really don't want to be seen when you're picking them off one by one. Yes. So that's a great segue into the second thing I think that makes this game so cool, which is that it takes all of the mono genre type ideas that were in the first evil within um and it blows them up into like widescreen like there's Mm. so much more of that it's such a it's a much larger part of the game yet at the same time everything also works better all the game mechanics all the design ideas work better so what you're left with is a game that takes like a mono genre style of play and actually makes a real horror game out of it that's actually tense and scary yeah um one thing that i think is a real improvement in the second game is that in the first game there was a real emphasis on like traps Mm -hmm. and disarming traps and putting traps down that's really been like 
de-emphasized here. Like, the traps are there, but they're just not everywhere. You know, in the first game it was just tiring dealing with traps all the time. But in this one, I feel like they're more uh, appropriately placed. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, so in this game, the basic idea of this game is it goes between being linear and open world or open environment, you know, and what you're meant to do is move through either type of environment uh, in a somewhat stealthy way or as stealthy as you can until you need to confront enemies. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like you said, you have to use your wits and your skill to confront enemies. You have a lot of options for stealth, but you can't just instantly scope out where enemies are. And yeah, there are traps and pitfalls and things in the world, but they're so much more evenly spaced out and more fairly placed than they were in the mm-hmm. first game. Like the first game has a real like trolly vibe to it. Um, like the game is just trying to fuck with you a lot, which is yeah okay, but it's definitely one of the weakest things about that game. In this game, I think they pushed the more psychological aspect of that. So like having all this crazy psychedelic shit, which we'll talk about soon, I'm sure. Uh, oh yeah. That's like way more extreme, but then the actual like in-game gameplay trolley stuff is much, much reduced, you know? So you're not always blowing, like accidentally saying off a mine or getting yourself caught in a fucking bear trap or whatever. There are some scripted events that do make you trigger zombies showing up. Like, you'll open a door and a zombie will just jump on your back. Things like that. Which feel like trolling. But yeah, um, the first game had, a, like, an issue with, like, gimmick areas. Yeah. And I think that's been scaled back a lot in this one. Oh, yeah. In a big part of the game, you're kind of, like, in neighborhoods and a little town. And a lot of it is clearing out areas and scavenging. Almost like something like Fallout. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, again, The Last of Us. I'm going to keep bringing up The Last of Us. Because this, this game does like so many things better. Yeah. Let's talk about that and how the premise of the game plays into that. So like the premise of this game, uh, technically this is a spoiler for the first game, but the story in these games doesn't fucking matter. So I'm not even going to put a spoiler alert here. I'm just going to state that plainly. <laughs> I think that's fine, right? <laughs> just turn us off if you don't want to. Yeah. If this really bothers you, just turn this off. But okay. So basically at some point in the first game, I truly cannot remember when because the story in that game is just pure gumbo. <laughs> Who knows when anything happens in that game? But like at some point it's revealed that the reason the first game is so crazy and psychedelic and that you can't get your bearings and you keep teleporting and all shit is because it's set inside like a simulated virtual reality world in a neural network inside a dead serial killer's uh mind or like a ai backup of his mind like you know normal okay. stuff right yeah exactly uh but and and so at the end of that game you leave that world behind and you're back in the real world so in this game it takes as the premise that you know that that exists and the beginning of the game is your character being, you know, Sebastian Castellanos, the same protagonist, uh, being drafted uh, into service by a shadowy company called Movius to go into a different type of virtual reality neural network world uh, mm-hmm. in order to find his daughter, who is technically like the core that holds this world together together and has recently disappeared. Whatever. Exactly. Also, he's he's a drunken sad boy, like waving his pistol around at the yeah. bar. 
Yeah. And you want this fucking guy to do it? Yeah. What? Exactly. It's it's so cheesy. It's so like TBS style. It's it's great. But uh you couldn't come up. So, okay. They received feedback from the first game that the story was too convoluted. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to do a simpler story, easier for people to understand. And give me back my daughter, I guess, is what they uh, decided on. Yeah. Well, like I said, that shit doesn't matter. Fuck that shit. The The thing that does matter is that <laughs> I think the really smart thing in this game is taking as the premise that, okay, you're in a virtual world. Uh, this time you know it. This time you know it. So the few things that it allows this game to do that are really cool are, number one, it allows them to do a lot of crazy unpredictable psychedelic shit mm-hmm. uh so like you'll see the world glitch out and stuff will change and oh, like yeah. it, it's all great yeah 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 it's it's <laughs> no it's fucking cool man like it's cool as shit no. yeah like glitchy effects start happening and suddenly you're somewhere else there's a scary ringu lady out of nowhere like mm-hmm. it's awesome you don't care that it doesn't make any fucking sense exactly now <laughs> so the other thing that it allows a game to do is have a really unique structure to its world Mm -hmm. um the first thing that i'll touch on briefly is like the visual style is really crazy because like the world is falling apart similar to how it was in the first game except way cooler like you'll look up in the sky and it's like a red sky and there's like a chunk of the city just floating upside down above you like yeah it's it's way less action movie and mm -hmm. more just like super trippy yeah it's cosmic horror uh, and it's cosmic horror in a way that people like to say that Bloodborne did really well. Mm. Um, and I've seen the stuff that people are talking about. You know, I haven't, I've only played like five minutes of Bloodborne. I'm not the expert, but like <laughs> people talk about that game doing this thing, and that's mm. fine. But this game does that thing really, really fucking well. So if you like that thing, you should play this game. I just want to yeah. drop that in there. But so the other thing it allows the game to do, though, in a more like structural way, is that it has a really unique uh, flow to the game. Like, mm-hmm. basically everything can be connected either by computer terminals or by just, like, glitches. And so the game will continually shift you between areas of drastically different sizes. Like, yeah. you can be in a really linear type of area and then suddenly be in a huge open world where you can play at your pace as long or as short as you want. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to hate me for saying this. But kind of like The Last of Us 2, it brings you through very linear areas and then it will take the leash off and let you explore big areas until you accomplish what you're supposed to do. Then you'll go into a more linear hallway and then you'll pop out into another big area. And the, the game kind of leads you like that, but it it just gives you so much freedom at like each stop along the way. Like I feel yeah. like it's a train ride with multiple stops, you know? No, I totally agree with that. And I think that another thing that struck me replaying the game again, uh, I don't know how many times I've replayed this game now and I'm going to replay it again sooner rather than later too. I fucking love this game. Mm. Uh, one thing that struck me was that I think on my first playthrough, it felt like there's a lot of, linear parts and then a couple big open world parts but i actually don't think that's true now having played it again i think it's actually a pretty even pacing of like 
two short linear parts and then one longer, more open world part. It's just that some of the open world areas are smaller than others. It also depends how you play. Yeah. Because I went block to block killing everything once I could. Mm -hmm. You know, at the beginning, you just can't. You have to, you know, go to your goals and collect ammo and stuff. Yeah. But once you're good enough to sneak around and actually start picking up, like, I, I systematically, like, killed everything in that little area. So yeah. I spent a lot of time in the open world sec- sections, and I think a lot of people do. But you can really just skip ahead. Yes, you can, which... I kind of did a little bit on this playthrough because oh, I, really? I've done it before and I was like so overpowered because I was doing a new game plus mm-hmm. um, and still just on normal mode, uh, which once again feels really balanced to me after, I mean, normal mode in the original game is like unplayable almost like it's so difficult. I mean, you could change the difficulty at any time too. Yeah, which is so. nice. But uh, yeah, like. I it was interesting to play it a little bit more in that way of like mm-hmm. okay let me try and I was still doing some of the optional stuff but I was mostly just sticking to the quest and it's still really good <laughs> like uh, mm-hmm. it's it works either way and I think that's another thing that really blew me away uh, the first time and especially playing it this time like okay let's talk a little bit about these the main place that you're doing these open world sections in right um it's a town kind of like a small town that's like twin peaks silent hill yeah a little idyllic town yeah called union uh and that's technically like the setting of the game although like we referenced earlier there's so much weird psychedelic shit that you end up going all over the known universe Mm -hmm. uh via (laughs) evil magical teleportation but like uh, the town of Union is really, really cool. It has got the vibes. And it's so just well designed. Mm-hmm. Like around every building in every house, there's something. Or yes. something that's going to jump at you. Or like some bonuses you would have never noticed. Um, I really feel like they meticulously designed these little open world sections and i don't even want to say open world because it's more like open area it's yeah each section is a couple city blocks and i think limiting that design to a small area and it, it really just cranks up the level of detail i think yeah the only thing to, to compare that to would probably be the early sections in resident evil 3 remake when jill's yeah. running around raccoon city yeah. But man, I this is more tense than that. Oh yeah. This is so much more tense than that. Well, and there's some really cool ideas in these parts. So, like the first big one is in chapter 3. It's very close to the beginning of the game that you're just mm-hmm. let loose in Union. And so you have safe houses around whatever part of Union you're in and you go to certain different parts and they're all like of varying sizes and stuff. But like um, this kind of a main neighborhood and that's where you get dropped in chapter three and you come back yeah. to a couple times throughout the game um, but so you get dropped in there you have safe houses where you can save and you can access a similar room to what you had in the first game where you'd go through the mirror and Claire de Lune plays and then mm. you're like you can upgrade your character and you can use the lockers and other certain things that people will be familiar with from the Inject first game ecto cooler Yes, you can uh, tap your vein aggressively and jab a needle full of ecto cooler into it. Uh, There's also a kitty. 
you do have a very mean looking pet cat that I love. You can't pet it though. You can't pet it though, which I don't love. Uh, <laughs> bad kitty. <laughs> bad kitty. Bad Sebastian. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so you have safe houses where you can do that. You can drink coffee to restore your health, which is. I love that. I love the, that. The coffee mechanic. Yeah. He really savors that. Sip. Oh my God. It, every time he does it, I want coffee. There was one yeah. time I was playing it on this playthrough where he drank the coffee, like, yeah, so satisfyingly that I actually paused the game and went and made coffee because I was like, fuck, I really <laughs> want coffee, dude. You, those poltergeists make that coffee hit harder. Oh, dude, coffee hit different when you got the poltergeist. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you have safe houses and then you have this open area to explore. Uh, mm-hmm. You have a radio that you can tune to frequencies and pick up like different side quests or places to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, and those will give you some of them are story missions. And then there's optional stuff that is some of its story content, but it's mostly just getting items, item upgrades. And in certain cases, like new weapons and stuff that you can technically miss. Yeah. But um, it's like four shotgun shells. Yeah. But you're going to want to do it for those four shotgun you shells. You need the four shotgun <laughs> shells. Um, and so the other big thing you can do, too, in these sections is you can take down enemies and you can search the area for items. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like in the first game, as we referenced, when you kill enemies, they drop big piles of delicious green goo. Uh, Mm -hmm. which you scoop up and inject into your (laughs) neck. Uh, And that's how you level up your character. 10 second rule. Yeah, 10 second rule for the green goo. I think in the first episode, we decided it was CBD. Uh, So (laughs) I believe that was the consensus among the three of us. Um, But yeah, so you can find that stuff. And then you can find weapon parts and uh, gunpowder, which will let you upgrade your... Uh, weapons and make your own ammo Mm -hmm. Uh, and you'll just find items around so you know ammo health items stuff like that of course just like the first game uh you you pull a crash bandicoot and you smash crates everywhere you go yes definitely a lot less in this game it is not as (laughs) i think they realized it was a little bit over the top in the first game the crate this game does love to remind you that it's a video game though Oh yeah, it'll it'll do stuff like you're you're running down the street trying not to get noticed, and you'll see a car jiggling from side to side. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, okay, we know there's a bad guy under there. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, Evil Within Two is such a video game, and it's so mm-hmm. so much better for for it. You know, I love it. Um, yeah, but yeah. So when you're in these open areas, you're going around and you're collecting stuff and. What you're really incentivized to do is decide, like, how much do I want to explore? How much do I want to upgrade my character? How, you know, how much of the side content do I want to complete? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're just let loose uh, upon the area. And the thing that I love about it is that there's so much missable stuff. Oh, totally. Uh, like, if you're being thorough, it is not difficult to, like, see everything in the game you know i'm not going to say 100 mm-hmm. percent it because there's stuff like hidden items and, yeah. and stuff yeah. like that for completionists but just to like see all the side content in the game is not very difficult you can do it in probably 25 hours i want to say i think i did it in less yeah uh 16 maybe hours 14 yeah yeah but there yeah there's a lot of stuff like um 
there's one lady in the first chunk of union where like she's like barricaded inside her house Mm -hmm. and you can like kill four zombies and get to her and she'll give you a little background yeah but then you're like i'll be back later don't worry about it and then you never hear from her again. Yeah, you never come back. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then there's other stuff too, like in the in that same area. There, so there is like a creepy Ringu style ghost lady. Yeah, we have that, to talk about the poltergeist lady. Yeah, but you can totally miss that. Isn't that weird? Because it, it feels like weird. such a big chunk of the game. Well, there's later sections that you can't miss with her, but like the oh. first. The first section is like the coolest one, in my opinion, and you can yeah. miss that. Yeah. So the Ringu Poltergeist lady, who you can tell me I'm wrong, but she's never explained in the game's lore. Not that I know of, no. Um, you walk into a house, and there's a note on the table, and you read it, and it's like, oh, it's cold in here. I think somebody's in here with me. Yeah. And so you put it down. All of a sudden, you can see your breath. The door is locked now, so you're, like, locked in this place. And this fucking Ringu lady shows up. Yeah. And then most of the time when you interact with Ringu lady, you get warped to another area. And it's kind of like a puzzle you have to figure out to escape. Like, I think the first time it warps you to a hospital, and you have to find a key card to get out. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, and that's not the only thing in the game like it, but it's just like, Mm -mm. it's a really cool, very cinematic moment that's fucking scary also that totally comes out of nowhere. And it's literally because you just saw a house that didn't have a barricade over the door and you're like, oh, I should try and go in there. Yeah, and there's like another little trap like that in that area. So there's the main antagonist of the first like, part of the game big chunk Mm -hmm. of the game is like this creepy serial killer who takes pictures of people and freezes them in the pictures yeah Uh, yeah he's basically hannibal lecter from the show yeah he's like a cutie hannibal lecter yeah he's uwu hannibal (laughs) (laughs) uh but like he uh you see him a lot in cutscenes and in scripted events and stuff, but there's like little parts around town where you can get him to pop up. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them is like this kind of like big mansion that you can go up to the second floor balcony of. And if you trip a trap there, like a tripwire, yeah. he'll pop up and take a picture of you and like shoot a high level zombie at you. It's like, there's just all sorts of cool little surprises and things to find. And they're all really stylish and cinematic, you know? Yeah, you can use those uh, photography traps to actually be a huge advantage in a couple fights. Yeah. So you just yep. kind of have to identify what they are and when to use them right. And, yeah. Because uh, it slows down the world and you can just become like a max pain killing machine for 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is uh, cool because most of the time you're at an extreme disadvantage. So. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Um. You know, and another thing that really blew me away with these parts, uh, once again, especially in this playthrough, I decided to just experiment. Like, I wonder what happens if you do this. You know, I can always Mm -hmm. reload my save. Um, There are huge chunks of the plot that are similarly missable. So, like, there's side characters Mm. that you can let die, and then you don't get any of their, like, mission quests uh which leads to weapon upgrades which leads to weapons um and chunks of the story and lore like you can just totally miss all that stuff if you let people die 
Well, they're mostly horrible people and hor- horrible characters, so good riddance. <laughs> yeah, dude, but you want that fucking, you know, sniper rifle or whatever. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know? Okay. There's there's the elephant in the room that I have to bring up. Okay. Okay. And there was a problem I had with the first game, too. The elemental crossbow. For some reason, Sebastian Castellanos, a time and space traveling detective badass is using like a wizard elemental crossbow yeah and you get it right at the beginning of the game and the game expects you to use it as a main item and kind of leans on it for a lot of gameplay decisions yeah throughout the whole game because it rocks okay i have a problem with elemental crossbow i don't like it i just want to use guns because guns are cool i'm an american god damn it well okay here's what's cool the crossbow is cool let's talk about why the crossbow is cool okay let's talk about the weapon and upgrade system right okay yeah and then i'll 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 try to explain to you why the crossbow is cool <laughs> okay so another thing this game hugely improves on from the first game is the upgrade system uh the first game had a real dumbass upgrade system uh and what it basically did was both in the way that you upgrade your character with the green goo and the way that you upgrade your inventory and weapons with parts and it was scrap in the first game and this game is parts. Um, the way that it would work in the first game is that they would make the increments so insanely tiny, right? Like it would be like, oh, now you can hold one more match. <laughs> Before you could only hold one match, even though you clearly have like 80 pockets because you're dressed like a steampunk professor guy. Like, give me a break. Yeah. Uh, much better character design in this game for everybody, pretty much. Uh, side note. Anyway, uh, so, and it was the same with your abilities, right? So it's like, oh, like you can upgrade your stamina so you can run like half a second longer now. And it was like super bullshit like it definitely mm-hmm. felt like a way to get people to grind more which was weird because you kind of already have to kill everything you come across in the game so there really isn't even a way to grind you just had to like play the game on new game plus like twice to fill everything yeah, up i guess so uh it was pretty dumb uh so in this game they've changed it so that first of all there's just so many more items around in the game like you're still not going to max everything out on a single playthrough Mm-mm. i don't think uh i don't even no, know if that's possible I, I, I maxed a lot out 30 minutes into my second playthrough so like the first yeah. playthrough like almost gets you there but like once you hit union on the second playthrough you like get it and you get so much goo and uh yeah yeah i i maxed out everything about halfway through my new game plus playthrough for this episode Mm -hmm. um that was when all my abilities and all my guns were maxed out but like uh there's more stuff to find there's more upgrade items to find and every upgrade that's available to you is significant so like when you're upgrading your character um, upgrades don't just increase your stamina or your health bar or whatever they actually give you new moves Mm -hmm. Um, so you actually have to be a little more thoughtful about what you're upgrading a really good example is like in the so it's just like the first game where you have combat and then you have agility and stealth and all that kind of stuff Um, in the combat category there's a bunch of stuff you can upgrade but if you just dump all your points into the main line you can get like a focus shot 
yeah. which is like the fucking coolest thing in the game. But it also requires that you just like don't upgrade anything for com but combat for like a really long time, and it kind of like fucks you in all other areas. I definitely did not do that. Yeah, <laughs> it rocks though. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. One thing this game has over Prey is that I went full stealth in this game. Like, I'm, I maxed out stealth as early as I could. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's totally a viable gameplay uh, tactic. Yeah. Well, it's... it. Like I said, I think that this game takes a lot of ideas from AAA, mono-genre, open-ended, action-adventure games. Mm-hmm. And it not only adapts them to be more horror, but it also does them better. Like, sure. it's why I mentioned this series so much when we talked about both The Last of Us games, because, like, playing those games was kind of fucked up for me, because I was like, man, like, The Evil Within, like, kind of takes this shit to, to class, you know? Like, the, playing The Evil Within after playing The Last of Us 2 really makes The Last of Us 2 look lackluster in comparison. Right? Yes, exactly. The tension, the, I mean, it's even, The Evil Within is even more, like, good looking. Like, I mean, The Last of Us 2 was, like, beautiful, mm-hmm. but, like, this game has an art style, you know? Yes. It's just, all the open world stuff, it's better here. All the stealth stuff, it's better here. It really gives you everything you would get in a mono-genre game, but it's just, it's more stylish it's more focused and it's horror. Like that's even something that I can't really say about one of my other favorite unsung games the last few years, which is days gone that I've talked about at length uh, here and there. But like that game has scary, intense moments, but at the same time, it doesn't have as much horror in it as this game does. This is like a real capital H horror game it's a scary game like it's gonna get you <laughs> oh it got me yeah which like once again when you look at it if you looked at it in a jaded way like i'm sure a lot of our listeners would it was like oh it's just like an action game it's just like resident evil 4 which is not scary uh wrong evil and 2 scary as fuck well yeah well uh okay so i think we need to take that apart a little bit because the moment-to-moment gameplay is scary. Oh, shit. All these dogs are going insane. Hold on. It's my neighbor's dogs, too. It's not mine. Sure. Oh, wait. It is one of mine. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. The, the, the moment-to-moment gameplay in Evil Within 2 is, like, scary and tense. It's not the story. It, no tension comes from any of the narrative any of the story there's nothing spooky about the story at all it's it's you versus these monsters and you like scrounging for your life is where the horror comes from and that's so much more effective than like a fucking wesker storyline or something you know yeah 
Well, that to me is one of the most brilliant things about the game is that, like I said, you've got these open-ended sections, you're choosing what you want to do, and you're having all these like procedurally generated things happen around you. Um, mm-hmm. And they managed to make horror out of that. That's one of the super, super unique things about this game. Because like, when you talk about the nuts and bolts of it, like it's really good, but it's also like, okay, there's other games that do that. Like, like we can compare it to The Last of Us. We can compare it to Days Gone. We can compare it to whatever. But then when you talk about that moment-to-moment shit and the way that it works in, in the sense of being tense and scary, there's not a lot of other games that do that. Okay, so another example of this is the kind of first big boss in the game. It's sort of like a Junji Ito multi head Tomie lady with like a circular saw arm. Yeah. Uh, you can fight her or run away, whatever. But then later on, she shows up in an open world section uh, where it's more of like a main street section. Yeah. And she fucking stalks you around town. And she has this creepy, like, evil laugh all of the time. Yeah. And once she sees you, like, she will not fucking unsee you. It's very hard to get away from her. Yeah. And so when she is stalking around near you, like, it is so creepy and freaky. Ringu Saw Lady is so much scarier than Mr. X and Nemesis combined. Like, she's up there with Jack for me. She's so fucking freaky. Yeah, well, there's so many weird, freaky, amazingly designed enemies in this game. And even, Mm -hmm. like, the basic zombie is really good in this game. Like The the, the thing that makes these zombies so scary is that they're so unpredictable. Yeah. Like, they whip their heads around, and it's really hard to read them. It took me half the game to, like, figure out when their animation stopped so I can, like, sneak up behind them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're just... It's crazy. It's a crazy fucking game. But I mean, I think the other thing they keep coming back to you too, and that's why I was, I was talking about kind of the upgrade system and the nuts and bolts stuff, is that this game is fucking fun. Like, mm-hmm. it's scary, but it's super fun. Like, mm-hmm. just like all the mono genre AAA games you could compare it to, it has a great loop, but it's modified so that it's tense and scary. I think that is a really subtle but genius thing this game does. So, okay, for example, we're talking about how you can upgrade your weapon, you can upgrade your character, you can craft items, you can craft ammo and stuff, but you can't do it whenever you want. Um, right. You you have to go back to your home base and, you know, settle in in order to make all those upgrades. So, like, you end up well, on that's these... that's not totally true. Well, So, you... in the field, you can make bullets and things. But there's a tax. A it steep tax. so much more, though. Yeah, yeah. That fucked me up, too, because I didn't realize it at first. Yeah. And, yeah, once I realized that, like, like you really shouldn't be making bullets out in no. the field unless you absolutely have to. Yeah. Well, and so that's the thing, is that if you play it that way, which I, I did, you end up playing it like castlevania like (laughs) where you go on these runs into the open world you're fighting enemies you're choosing what tasks you want to finish and then you pick a time when you're either like i'm done with this play session or i need to go home before i die and lose all this Mm -hmm. progress and you you run back to your safe room and you go through all the steps and it's like a it's comforting and really fun in like a repetitive way 
B, mm-hmm. it gives the game such a great structure. And C, it really makes you like settle in to those open world parts. Like poking Ooh. around online, a lot of people did what I did on my first playthrough, and it was like, yeah, I just played chapter three for like six hours. <laughs> it's <Yep>. like, yeah, <laughs> like easy, you know? Yeah. Well, you get used to the flow of chapter three. And then when you get, I, I think it's chapter seven, which is the next big open world chunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. You start playing it like that, but then, you know, the Ringu Saw lady shows up. Yeah. And then, like, I can't fucking kill this woman. Like, I yeah. guess you could, but it'll take exactly all of your bullets. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. you never have that, like, sense of comfort in the second part. Yeah. And then. The third open world section, they add these fucking flamethrower guys. Uh huh. And these flamethrower guys are actually like freaky as fuck because they kind of look like like Nazi SS flamethrower dudes, and they actually like run around town and like set other zombies on fire. Yeah. And they're so difficult to kill. They're freaky as fuck. I love it. Yeah. Well, and you know. That's a great point, that the game has a great escalation, not only in terms of gameplay, but also in terms of aesthetic. So, like, in the first game, you know, you're in this digital world that's falling apart, right? Like, we know that much. But the game did it in a real, like, action movie kind of way, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, the city's crumbling, you know, get to the bus, or <laughs> well, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's basically just get to the chopper one scene after. No, another. it was uh, get to the armored... infantry vehicle with the fucking machine gun on top remember yeah exactly (laughs) uh but in this game the world like i said it has much more of a slow creeping cosmic horror feel to it where like the world slowly falls apart and the Mm -hmm. enemies get weirder and more sinister so like this enemy that you just glimpsed once like the crazy chainsaw lady or the crazy circular saw lady suddenly she's all over the place and she's hunting you down or like the first couple times you run into the ringu lady it's like uh, a real scripted one and done kind of thing but then in the third open world big open world section uh she pops up at random yeah and like it's not chill <laughs> it's like oh old friend yeah yeah, yeah. you can even you know after you discover her the first time you can even bump into her in the first section of union Yes, and that's just all true. of a sudden you're like, "What?" And all the bad guys are gone everywhere, and it's just yeah. you and her in this town. Yeah, it's just it just seems so random. Yeah, but it's like even that, like the aesthetics of that are great because it's like a blue filter goes on everything. It's yeah. suddenly it's suddenly foggy. You just have to fucking run. The music is different and creepier. Like it's super cool. And once again, it's like as the world falls apart around you, uh, mm-hmm. you know everything gets crazier and creepier. The enemies get creepier. Uh, the game just has such a great vibe. And like you said earlier, I mean, the graphics are incredible. There's like beautiful, moody lighting all over the place. Great art style, you know. Mm. One thing that I, I thought, so like I said, I think this game offers so much to so many different horror fans, right? Like obviously Resident Evil fans like will feel somewhat at home with this because the whole series is somewhat of a branch off of Resident Evil 4, right? Um, but this game has big Silent Hill vibes throughout. Totally. I have this in my notes. Like Silent Hill one gives you a lot of time in the town. It gives you more time in the town than any of the other games. Like, right. Imagine a Silent Hill game built like this, you know? 
Yeah. Imagine if Deadly Premonition 2 was like this. A smaller town, but with like every corner of it like beautifully rendered. Yeah. God. The other thing, though, that's cool about this game that I think separates it from both of those games, especially Deadly Premonition 2. Uh, I'm sorry I brought it up. Yeah, it's okay. I accept your apology. Open world uh, horror games. Like, come on. Well, the thing... Okay, okay. Uh, the thing that separates this from those games that is another subtle but brilliant thing is that because it's not a real world, you're always in danger. Mm. Um, but the game also doesn't, you know, constantly stay at 10. Like, you're not always in the biggest firefight of your life. It's got a really good ebb and flow. It slows down and spaces out a lot. Mm-hmm. But because you're not in the real world and you're in this kind of creepy nighttime world, you're always in danger. That's one thing that Delhi Premonition doesn't have. And that's something that even Silent Hill with how telegraphed the changes to the environment are hmm. like can't achieve because you know that it's like, Oh, it's daytime or it's light out. Like it can't be as bad as it is when it's like pitch black, you know? Yeah. I see and your the, point. Yeah. yeah. I just felt like this game has such a good constant tension while still having a nice ebb and flow to it that mm. most horror games can't do. I would love to see well, a Silent Hill game if it was like this for sure. There are some parts of this game that don't stand up to that scrutiny, I think. There are a lot of parts in the... Uh, so in between the big open world sections, the connective tissue between these is called the marrow. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like boring basement sections or the lab section in a horror game because there's a lab part of the marrow. Sure. And these these sections don't hold up for me to that like extreme high quality that the open world parts do. Um, especially later on, because I think the other big problem with this game is that they kill off the wrong antagonist too early. Sure. And later on, some of the antagonists are really dumb and their areas kind of suck. I I guess, I guess we could talk about this because this really gets my kind of, like, looking back on this game, I, I feel like it is a low point. Okay. So, about halfway through the game, there's a boss fight where you kill Kawhi Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter. Uh-huh. <laughs> he dies, and then you find out, like, oh, it was this other guy that was in charge. Right. And it's, like, this goofy preacher dude. And, one, he just sucks as an antagonist. He has, like, none of the charm of Hannibal Lecter. Oh, I kind of like him. And and two, his areas are all like medieval dungeon stuff. Mm-hmm. And like next to sewer levels, like medieval dungeons, I mean, they these sections do not do it for me. Like mm-hmm. I'm like get me back to the city. But that's the thing is that the game will keep taking you back to the city. Uh which I think mm-hmm. is cool. And, you know, once again, I'm going to argue that the game's fantastic aesthetics and great visuals actually sell the medieval parts to me. Mm. Um, and I think that it's sort of in the heritage of the first game where it's like, we're going to take you here. We're going to take you here. We're going to take you here. Um, the So the marrow, which you mentioned earlier, is a really cool concept. Um, mm-hmm. Once again, it's basically explains how you're moving between these Di- like disparate parts of this digital city that's falling apart. 
Um, yeah. It's essentially that you're taking the back way through. Um, and I like the marrow because it's like these sterile, you know, lab environments, but they're all falling apart and busted up. They're full of enemies and mm-hmm. they're full of cool, like traversal puzzles and shortcuts. So you're always like opening up a shortcut so you can loop back around or like spending a few extra minutes to find like uh, uh, an item that you could otherwise miss mm-hmm. or something like that. So like if you like the game, you like the traversal and you like encountering enemies. I mean, I, I enjoyed those parts of the game and i like yeah, the end i'm not too. saying they sucked but i'm just not yeah. saying the, the uh those sections don't vibe like those open world sections do yeah i mean i'm not going to totally disagree with yeah. that um i didn't dislike them but I, I i i think you're somewhat right there the other thing is that like the aesthetics of the first part of this game are like so good that it's sort of like mm-hmm. what the fuck else could they have done to match it like okay it's a so, great opener to give you some context, the opening of this game is essentially an extended homage to Hannibal, Twin Peaks, yeah, and uh, something else that I can't think of. Maybe like I don't know X Files or something. It's, it's but like, just so overt. Yeah, like, you've got the red curtains. You've mm-hmm. got the black and white chevrons. Mm-hmm. You've got the classical music with the pretty boy like obsessed with blood. Yeah, <laughs> it's so Hannibal. Yeah, and I think it's 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 the better for it. And then they kill off Hannibal, and then you yeah. end the game with two more really characterless antagonists. You know, the first one's this preacher guy. You kill him. Oh my god! You find out it's your wife that's behind it all, or whatever. This story is just fucking nonsense. The last boss is your wife, and she's like a skeleton. And for some reason, she's, like, represented by this, like, white goo everywhere. Like, earlier on in the marrow, you you uh, kind of have to, like, sneak by this, like, big goo monster. Yeah. It looks like jizz. Why does your wife represent it with jizz? <laughs> you can edit that out or not. I don't care. No, nah, man. That's, that's, that's that Silent Hill 2 stuff that everyone likes, right? Your wife all along. Everyone is jizz, right? <laughs> We're all jizz. Wow. If Holy you think about shit. it. We're all jizz. This is Joe Rogaine here to remind you that we're all jizz. Take DMT and do crime. Have you ever thought about jizz on DMT? You ever taken DMT and thought about where you really came from? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Well, okay. So here's the thing. Of course you're not. Of course you're not wrong. Like this is all true. But I I do think that. uh, So I have told. Many people. And of course, nobody listens to me because no one listens to me anyway. I mean, we'll do whole two hour long episodes about shit and then people will just not listen to anything I said and argue with me on the Internet about this stuff. So, like, clearly the precedent is that nobody listens to me. But I've told multiple people that, hey, if the Evil Within 2 looks cool to you, you don't have to play the first one. You should just play the Evil Within 2, which is partially true. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is true. It's a hundred percent true. But I mean, it's like jumping into season two of Quantum Leap. Like, who fucking cares about the story? Exactly. But I do sort of feel like there is an important lesson that you learn from the first game, which you don't have to learn by playing it. You could learn by listening to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it, it's basically that like the story doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. the story in both of these games is inconsequential all it is is 
a vehicle to get you from one setting to another or from one set piece to another or from one boss to another. Like the actual things that happen don't matter. The things that characters do don't matter. The fates of these characters, they don't matter. <laughs> like there's just, they're inconsequential because just like something like Alien Isolation, except much, much better, the magic in this game is the procedural stuff. It's the moment to moment gameplay. Mm. It's the things that happen to you that aren't necessarily programmed into the game as inevitabilities. Is it fair to write off things like glaring story problems when looking when when critiquing a piece of art like The Evil Within 2 while other games we have to criticize the story because it, 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 it makes the whole worse. Like, what makes this different? I'm so glad you asked me, James, because I think about this a lot. <laughs> so, okay, my whole theory on this, right, is twofold. Number one, a video game is a video game, right? It's an entirety of an experience, right? So when you look at a video game, just as you would with any other piece of art, but especially with something like this, where there's so many moving parts and there's an interactive component, right? What you're looking at when you're trying to appraise it or evaluate it is how everything comes together. So you kind of just said it, right? Where it's like the story in a game can be good or bad, but the way that it plays into the entire experience is what matters. So there are games with terrible stories where the story either adds to the experience by being terrible or doesn't detract <laughs> from the experience of playing mm. the game mm. that are still good games. But then there are games that are better in other regards where like the story is actually like uh, detrimental to the entire experience where we have to criticize it, right? The other part of this is that a video game is a video game. Uh, and what I mean by that is that it's not a story. Like, video games are not primarily a storytelling medium. So when we look at a story, it's just a component in the game, and you have to look at how it plays into the game. So, like, sometimes we say a game is narrative-based, or it's a narrative game, that doesn't mean that it lives or dies based on the story. That means that the events of the story need to serve to push the game forward. But the core of the game isn't the story unless the people who made it chose the game to be structured that way. Nice. Right? That was well put. Well, and I was thinking about this a lot because I read an interview with uh, Yo, who's the creator who made The Friends of Ringo Ishikawa, another one of my like top 10 games of the last generation or of this generation, mm, right? Yeah. Um, and he said something really cool, which was like, I know the combat in this game isn't good because it's modeled after River City Ransom. It uses mm. two buttons. It's not like good, right? Like it is what it is, but he said, I wrote the whole story and I created the whole world around the idea that these characters need to fight every day of their lives. So the combat is important. And then I was like, oh my God, you're right. Like the combat in that game isn't good, but it's like more important than the combat in like 99% of games. Nice. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, this whole discussion about if if the story really matters, I think this comes down to, you know, the fun factor rating. On a yeah. Game Pro review, yeah. right? That's why it's separate. It's fun factor. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that is really important too, because like the reason that I went so hard at the story of The Last of Us Two was that I found the act of playing that game to be miserable. I thought mm-hmm. it was a boring slog. So mm-hmm. all I had to look forward to was the story. Yeah. And the story disappointed me. So if the story disappoints me, and I don't find much to talk about or praise in the act of playing the game that's it yeah. <laughs> that's all you're trying game. to lose more patrons yes <laughs> so i'm talking about the last of us too <laughs> yeah no but i mean you, hey you brought it up and it's also like it is one of those games that we went the hardest at i could say the same thing about deadly premonition too right where it's like the gameplay was non-existent like the game was just broken right so mm. I only have the story and the game keeps pausing to make me look at the story like in a very dramatic way, which the evil within two doesn't really do. These cutscenes are quick, you know, like, yeah, I wish more of them were skippable though on replays. A lot of them are. Yeah. It's only when Sebastian's standing around. You can't skip it. It hurts. No, you could, you can skip normal cutscenes. I don't know. So some, you hold hold the B button, you skip them. Yeah, I was like panic slapping all of them. You can't <laughs> skip all the cutscenes. <laughs> okay, there there's a lot that are skippable <laughs> though, because I definitely held B to skip more than one cutscene. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I just think that like the role of a certain element in a game is almost more important than the element itself. And so in a game like this, the role of the story is so like it's just so negligible that it's fine that it's not like good i just thought of that part where like for some reason sebastian wakes up in like a shack Uh uh-huh and inside that shack with him is like a woman shooting a machine gun out the windows (laughs) at zombies yeah (laughs) and he's like what's going on and she's like start shooting buddy (laughs) yeah dude i mean it it would be uh we would be remiss not to mention like how much of this game's dialogue is so bad it's good because like <laughs> this is a polished well-made video game that also has like some of the most boneheaded dialogue ever in it's just mm-hmm. like the first game right like mm-hmm. it's not quite as over the top as the first game it's definitely toned down but you know just like we were talking about in that last episode like half the stuff sebastian says is just like so deadpan in an inappropriate way like mm-hmm. oh what's going on here huh <laughs> what's this thing and he's like looking at like the most horrifying thing in the world or he's just like i I gotta gotta figure out what's going on you know it's like yeah he he's still that that boy and we love him he's our (laughs) best boy like you know yeah it's more like deadly premonition one in that regard (laughs) (laughs) sure wish i could find some shotgun shells around this full shack (laughs) Yeah, dude, there are moments where he's like exploring something and he'll say like, oh, I better find that switch. It's like, <laughs> what, dude? It just, it flashed, find the switch on screen. Like, you don't have to say it. <laughs> yeah. 
Better get back to my office and whittle some shotgun shells. Yeah, yeah totally. But I, I will say one thing. Just like I think the premise of the game is better, I think the story setup in this game is better as well, just because it's simple, right? Like, I do think that is an improvement. Like, I just felt like in the first game, and we talked about it in the episode, the first game, the setup is so nonsense where it's like mm. the the B story is Sebastian and his family falling apart because their daughter died, right? Yeah. And it's like the weird, it's actually kind of the C story of the game. The B story <laughs> is like Ruvik's backstory. And then the A story is whatever is happening on screen in front of you at the moment. There's like 12 stories in that game. Yeah. It just doesn't come together. And I don't think that's, re- once again, I don't really think it's a flaw of the game, but it is distracting at times in that game mm. where you're just like, hey, I'm trying to shoot Zamboni. And I don't know <laughs> what all this mess is. Like in this game, the story never gets in the way. Mm. In my opinion. In my opinion. Yeah. I just I mean, keep last... thinking about that preacher boss. He happened because of the story. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't hate it though. Like it's fine. And what about the... that boss rush where it makes you fight four bosses from the first game? Oh, you know, it's a little fan service for us fans of the first game. Yeah. You can't ask me about this. I have Stockholm Syndrome. It's not fair. It it was kind of cool, but like it immediately gave me PTSD. I was like, <laughs> oh, fuck. It's the lock guy again? Yeah. Yeah. That fucked me up a little bit. That's why I go back and forth on this, and I'm curious what you think. Like, would this game be better if you hadn't played the first game? I mean, I already think it's pretty great. Like, yeah, I just think the story is dumb as shit, and uh, I don't like elemental crossbows that much. Like, come on. Oh man, I didn't finish telling you why the crossbow is so great. Okay, <laughs> screech. So, like, okay, with the weapon upgrade system and the ammo crafting system, you're upgrading your weapons. You can make your own ammo to try and help with the fact that there's no ammo anywhere in the game. Uh, and then you get this crossbow. So the crossbow mostly uses separate materials from the ammo you make for your guns it shares gunpowder but then you can use other stuff you find mm-hmm. there's one that doesn't use gunpowder so it's really nice as like a backup at the minimum but then you get all these different types of arrows there's like a shock arrow a freeze arrow an explosive it's arrow the fucking elements it's the elements and earth you can- water air heart <laughs> exactly i wish there was a charm arrow <laughs> just make zombies like <laughs> Yeah, give you, like, bedroom eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like... Uh, God, where was I going with this? Um, <laughs> Crafting. Yeah, so Crafting. as you upgrade them, you get basically different powers and different abilities. So, like, you know, your shock arrow initially just shocks an enemy. Then you basically get chain lightning. Then you get area of effect. Keeps growing and growing and growing. And so it adds, like, a whole extra element to combat. And it's kind of like taking all the extra elements you might get from having stuff like traps or like status ailments, stuff like that, and just condensing them into one item for you to Mm -hmm. use. So you get a different way of dealing with crowds, a different way of dealing with combat scenarios. I thought it was cool. In terms of utility, I get it. But when I'm sneaking around a town shooting zombos, I want the big boom boom stick. Yeah. You, you have to allow for that being personal preference, though, because you love yeah, shotgun. Totally. 
You love shotgun. I love crossbow. Dude, in Days Gone, I was like crossbow ninja until like <laughs> the end of the game when I had like really good shotguns. Mm. It was just all sneaky crossbow, man. Nice. It was amazing. And this I game, it's, you can't be as sneaky with the crossbow, but you can still be crossbow, man. Was it elemental crossbow in Days Gone? No, just no- normal. <laughs> Normie crossbow. <laughs> Uh, yeah like it's so weird that they introduce it so early in this game because it's like i don't know it's just another like giant leap of outlandishness to me like the game's outlandish i'm not gonna say it's not realistic but it's just outlandish no man it's it's great uh you know and it's once again i think it's just another layer too of strategy it's another layer of forethought that goes into your runs you know um and it's because that's the way that this game does that mono genre style so perfectly is like it gives you all these options it gives you all these things you can use or not use upgrade or not upgrade and -hmm. then it just kind of lets you loosen the world to say okay how am i going to play in this next run like maybe you are like okay i love this crossbow bolt i need to go find more of them or get the crafting items to make them that's like my strategy and then you can just be let loose to do that and once you find that stuff you're like okay i'm going back to my safe space gonna chill in there and then leave again later you know yeah it has such a good loop i wonder and if there are any like um uh, pacifist runs on the internet where like you sneak through the whole town without killing any of the bad guys i bet it's possible in at least a lot of the scenarios yeah well, and it's just like, yeah, the stealth controls and mechanics are great. Combat controls and mechanics are great. Uh, I, this game will spoil a lot of games for you. I wish the melee attack was a little stronger. Like, when you just have the combat knife, it's just absolutely useless. You yeah. Know, you get those one-shot, like, axes. The axes that break after one hit, like, mm-hmm. okay, what kind of fucking logic is that? But... Regardless of that, you get the one hit. Just, you know, again, like Last of Us 2. But um, but you can upgrade it. You can upgrade your basic melee. Okay, is there an upgrade for it? Maybe that's yeah. what the problem was. That was like the first thing I upgraded because I kept running out of ammo. I was like, shit, we're doing mm. this. <laughs> I just decided to stealth the hell out of everything because you can one-shot baddies with stealth. Yeah. So. Well, that's another thing too, man. The upgrade system is so good. So like, mm. if you start upgrading your stealth, you get extra moves that you can use to stealth kill people you get extra moves you can use to stay in cover the cover system is awesome you can change cover really easily um entering and leaving cover is really intuitive uh it's a surprisingly detailed system once again if you compare it to something newer like last of us 2 it still feels very graceful and very Mm. well well made you know I mean, if you like Hitman, you got to play it. Yeah, it's got, once again, you know, I think it's another game that the charm of it is very systems-based, and that's Mm -hmm. why it's hard to explain to people. It's got those little sandbox ideas, you know? Yeah. The the stage is Swiss cheese, man. You got to work your way through the holes. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you can play how you want to play, which is a very, very Hitman but mm-hmm. I think it's just so unique because it's horror. It's real horror. Like we we're saying, I mean, it's scary and it's got the vibes and even just 
wandering around town, it's like you've warped into this beautifully rendered, ultra dark 90s horror town. And you just get to wander around and take in the sights and kill a lot of stuff. Like, who doesn't want to do that? (laughs) Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, Yeah, and like... I don't know. I mean, I can't think of really, you know, we've covered most of the other games that are sort of in this genre or games that could be considered to be parallel to this, you know, uh, and they're not good or they're not as good as this, you know. Mm. I mean, Last of Us 1 has its merits. Like, I would be remiss not sh- uh, bringing up how good the first game is. Oh, yeah. I mean, Last of Us 1 is amazing, but Last of Us is way more linear than this game Mm -hmm. and it is way less horror oriented ultimately at the end of the day you know yeah maybe alien isolation but i feel like alien isolation is less fun yes Um, this game has the tension and it's more fun yeah and it's the same thing with like you could compare this to the early stages of resident evil 7 as well but there's just so much more here and i think it's more fun you can also compare it to Resident Evil 3 Remake. It's a good analog here because, I don't know, it, they just remind me so much of each other. Uh, the open world Raccoon City is just like, it, the, playing Evil Within 2 actually makes me want more of the open world Raccoon City than there was. Like, give me three times as much Raccoon City. Yeah, Totally. That I mean, you know, that's what I was thinking when you said that. You're totally right. It's a great comparison, but at the same time, that section of that game feels so small compared to how much there is mm-hmm. in this game. You know, like you can play this game for as long as you want pretty much because of how open-ended the open sections are. Yeah, also like every like every single zombie in Evil Within 2 is a threat. And like I guess it is in Resident Evil Remake also, but they like they don't seem so threatening just by themselves, you know. Especially if you get a a group of three of them, like yeah. you feel a lot less safe in the Evil Within too. Yeah, totally. You know, Evil Within is still kind of operating by its own rules, where it's like the zombies are their own thing, you know. Like they're kind of fast zombies. They're kind of eldritch horror zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of pack hunters. They're kind of lone wolves. There's different varieties of them. There's the creepy albino ones that are also oh, in Resident yeah. Evil Three. For I don't know why the albino zombie is such a recurring thing. It's like it's like the skinny lady with no hair in the nighty. Yeah, with the knife. For some reason, she takes five shots to the head, and nobody yeah. else does. Jesus, yeah. get her away from me. <laughs> exactly um yeah it's it's so cool and you know yeah the enemy designs as things escalate are very Jinji Ito-esque they're super crazy and over the top um it's just so fucking good and I don't know I think ultimately it's so funny that like people talk about what they want it once again it c- comes back to the hitman thing where it's like people are always like i want an open-ended game that I can just replay over and over and it's like well here's hitman why the fuck aren't you playing it you know yeah like yeah. with with horror games people are like oh i want like an open world horror game or i want like a mono genre triple a type horror game and it's like well here it is 
why aren't you playing it and telling everybody you know to play it because it's <laughs> like it rocks so much yeah it seems like bethesda wrote it off before even release because there yeah. wasn't a lot of fanfare around its release and then it it came out with like a uh, meh and yeah i mean i never met anyone hyped about it until you raved about it all the time yeah no for sure and you know i think it also kind of gets to some of the worst parts about internet culture as well where people love the meme and people love the hype so Mm. like the original game was so much more like meme hype of people just being like it's like so shitty but it rocks you know or whatever Uh that like when a really good game comes out in the series people either are like oh wow it's actually good or they just hate it instinctively because it's like i want the guy with the safe on his head <laughs> you know <laughs> we get him for a minute oh yeah for sure but like you yeah. can find some vicious user reviews of this game or just like really? they ruined this series this game is horrible like it's crazy yeah it's weird i mean yeah Again, the the story is dumb as hell. But other than that, I mean, the the open world gameplay, it's like nothing's really like it. Um, it's just like head and shoulders above something like Last of Us 2. Like, fuck. I think everybody that played Last of Us 2 that really liked the gameplay, they owe themselves to play this. Yeah, it's like an actual game in that style. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well. And another thing too, I mean, it is so easy to rave about the open world stuff in this game because it's so unique and because it's like so good and it's the best part of the game. No, you know, oh, for sure. no dissent from me. However, the linear stuff is so cinematic and so cool. Like mm. all the psychedelic hallways, the cosmic horror stuff, like running down looping hallways, getting caught with creepy enemies, like it's really well done. The direction of those parts is fantastic. Yeah. I will say the last 20 minutes to me are kind of a train wreck. Like the last boss is cool and really cool looking. Um, but everything after that, like there's a part where you switch to another character and there's kind of like a shooting gallery scene. Yeah. And you're switching back and it's just like a story mess. And uh, they just really keep like, it just keeps going and going and like man i kept thinking to myself like this could be like over and i'd be totally okay with it yeah totally (laughs) well hey that's the peril of the story just not really being integral with the game which is that when they shift over to that it's not good but you know the other thing too is that many games have pulled this and people just give it a pass because it's just like oh the internet likes this game like dude the ending of near automata is fucking stupid like all the mini games and the switching between characters and playing like Ikaruga, but if it sucked and all that stuff, it's, it's bad. Like it is legitimately stupid and bad. And the, like what you have to do to beat the game is dumb. And it's like, why does that just get a pass? You know, like if that gets a pass, this gets a pass. Cause this game is better, like a lot better. This game rocks. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just shit like that. That just like drives me up the wall. <laughs> Cause like, <laughs> well, it just, it just pulls a, uh, you know what it is? It's anime. Yeah. It's all anime. It's a fucking anime, dude. Evil James. Within 2, like the ending of Evil Within 2, it's just fucking anime. James, it was always all anime. <laughs> you know this, dude. <laughs> it was anime the whole time. Exactly. 
But yeah, like, I don't know. There's so many cool cinematic moments in this game. Like, okay, one of the parts with the ringy lady, you're transported back to Beacon Hospital from the first game. Mm. And like, you're running through this looping, endless hallway. And then like, you figure out how to solve the puzzle by going up and looking in this mirror. And when you do, she fucking pops out of the mirror at you. And it's like so scary. And then everything changes around you in this crazy, like silent hillway. I mean, it's all these cool cinematic ideas and direction ideas that we've never seen done with this kind of fidelity and this kind of graphics tech, you know, like, cause horror just mainstream horror games just aren't popular. Like in that way, you know, we don't have a new silent hill game. I think their producers aren't ballsy enough to just say, fuck it, we'll have a random Ringu lady pop out the fucking window. Yeah, like exactly. They almost like throw the pages of the script in the air and say, fuck it. You yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. The Last it's, of Us could never do that. The Last yeah. of Us would never jump the shark like that. And this game sh- jumps the shark like 10 fucking times. Yeah. It like jumps the shark right away. Like <laughs> yeah, opening really scene does. of the game is basically just like, fuck it, dude. This is what we're into. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I think this game must be protected at all costs and it must be treasured because it's like, audacious. Yeah. We don't have a lot of these series that we pine for and that we wish were still being made. But you know what we fucking do have? We have fucking evil within two and it fucking rocks. We also have Hitman. Yeah, we have Hitman. I'm still playing Hitman 2. I love oh, Hitman sick. 2. Yeah. Dude, the last stage, that arc stage in Hitman 2, that's amazing. The um, the castle stage. one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got to talk about that game because that is not my favorite stage. Yeah. I kind of got that yeah. vibe, but like, I love it. Also, I did the deep dive into the suburbs stage. Oh, really? And that was great. We found the murder basement. <laughs> <laughs> perfect yeah yeah i mean you got to get that dlc though man i i, I usually I don't stand for dlc but telling you yeah i gotta look into it but yeah we did a really fun playthrough of the suburb stage where monica and i were like passing the controller mm-hmm. and so like she went around and found all the clues and like explored like everything and then passed it to me and i killed the two targets mm-hmm. um, that was really fun nice i love doing the uh you can go to the side of one of the houses and put uh, like sleeping drugs in the fumigator. Yeah, and it knocks everybody out in the entire house. Whoa, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, or you could do it with a uh, um, the emetic poison and make yeah. everybody vomit. Oh, nice. Or you could do it with poison poison and kill everyone. Nice. No, yeah. that's super cool. Yeah, I also that playthrough was funny because like. It took so long because Monica was like finding all the clues, being super stealthy, and then she handed it to me, and I ended up blowing up both of the targets. <laughs> Just by happenstance, I picked the stories where you blow them up, and like the one with Janice, like actually took us both by surprise. We were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, was he smoking the cigarette next to his oxygen tank? No, we got him to look at the mole holes. Oh, <laughs> and then I, <laughs> like the explosion was legitimately shocking. It was great. Nice, yeah. Yeah, blowing them up upstairs is always fun. Yeah. Well, you know, okay, this actually totally ties into what we're talking about. This isn't just us uh, sidelining into Hitman, as we often do. No, like, this is totally what I was talking about earlier. We're talking about what is the role of a story or what is the role of a narrative in a game. Mm -hmm. And it's like games can decide that for themselves. And oftentimes, 
when games move away from the story and more into the gameplay or more into a micro story or more into something like procedurally happening in front of you, a lot of times they're actually better gameplay experiences for it. Like, yeah. you know, unless it's specifically trying to just tell you a story like an adventure game, a PC adventure game or something like that. It's like, I don't know, man, that's kind of like better if it moves in this other direction and it can still be a narrative experience it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a story or that it's non-narrative you know Mm -hmm. totally yeah that's like the good shit i'm gonna keep arguing that that's actually the good shit is that good good dude also not open world open area why is that so much better yeah just works so much better i don't know why well no it's you do know why you said it earlier that it's like you have a smaller area that you can pack with detail and like really design you know yeah another reason why is that to do open world right you need an infinity budget yeah totally because like otherwise you end up with something like the first deadly premonition where like i like that world but it's full of dead space Mm -hmm. you know like Like, of course the new grand theft auto is going to be good they have a bigger budget than fucking nasa yeah what if though they just never release another one and they keep re-releasing whatever like five on every console for the next 10 years they're doing it that would be hilarious it's gonna be like just dance (laughs) yeah you just buy the content packs for it yeah uh hi i'd like the doja cat edition of grand theft auto 5 please (laughs) thanks yeah Yeah. i think i think they want a hundred percent saturation with gta 5 at this point i mean i have it now because i got it for free (laughs) there you go boom yeah so and i'm the last person who would buy it or play it so there you go i bet monica would love it i told her that i was like hey just so you know i've got it on my computer (laughs) yeah when we move uh in my little music room because i'm gonna have a kind of computer room i'm gonna put a couch so that we can play computer games more comfortably so nice yeah, yeah that'll be fun but yeah just like yeah open area open area is the shit because it's like you can pour all of your ideas and your attention to detail and everything into something that's just perfectly crafted so yeah running around union feels amazing because it's perfect the sandbox dude yeah the little sandbox little little sandbox yeah not those uh not those sandboxes we had in texas those giant (laughs) giant sandy playground areas full of fire ants fuck that shit i'm talking little sandbox the ones that give you third degree burns yeah, and fire ant bites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck yeah. that shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Four and a half out of five. Sick. The end. Yeah, I'm giving it, uh, you know, top of the generation out of this generation. Uh, fun fun lo- factor five, story 2.0. <laughs> and it only gets a two because of the jizz monster. <laughs> Dude, that's not Galaxy Brain of you. <laughs> Whatever, man. Did you see those jizz physics? <laughs> hey, man. Those are just, like, your opinion, man. It's Game Club. What do you want to know? Where you're supposed to play next? I'll tell you. I'll tell you right. So, uh, first, 
is kind of another episode for Retro Month. We lied. It's not over. It's never over. Retro Month is forever in our hearts. Uh, yeah, we're talking about Eversion and Pony Island. Uh, Eversion because I couldn't stop talking about it. And Pony Island because it just fits the vibe. It's an episode about meta horror games. What you know about that, huh? Then after that, comes as no surprise. Dead by Daylight. We've been going nuts. Playing games in the Discord. Playing games with the Discordians. Yeah, man. You want to play some Dead by Daylight? I always want to play Dead by Daylight. Jump in that Discord. Play with us. But yeah, we also did an episode on it. We have a special guest. It's a good time. 